and welcome to the Cancer Research UK Cambridge Centre podcast, the Future of Radiotherapy series. This series is brought to you by the CRUK Radnet Cambridge programme in partnership with our lovely patient and public involvement and engagement group. episode I'm joined by Raj and Beverly to talk about artificial intelligence in radiotherapy what it is how does this impact um, radiotherapy treatment as well for this series we have our lovely patient representatives with us so for this week we have Beverly who is here to ask the questions that you would want to know and to discuss from the perspective of our patients and the public So I've got Dr. Raj Jenna with us, who is a academic radiation oncologist who treats patients with tumours of the brain and spine. His research interests are in the use of artificial intelligence to improve radiotherapy treatments. He works with colleagues in the departments of physics, mathematics and engineering on artificial intelligence. And he leads in a multi-centre study of the use of artificial intelligence in radiotherapy called Hamlet-RT. Hello. And as I've just mentioned, we've got Beverly with us as well, um, who has had some recent experience of had, having radiotherapy and is one of our patient and public involvement members. Hello. Thank you for joining us, the both of you. start with Beverly when you hear the words artificial intelligence what comes to mind? What comes to mind immediately is um, kind of algorithms and software and things that kind of sound really really complicated and long chain stuff uh, that would really mean that uh, they can produce things quicker faster and apparently more effectively than humans can which um, is all very interesting but um, it just conjures up technology from my point of view. Brilliant. Thank you, Beverly. And um, Raj, could you um, explain what we mean about artificial intelligence? Is artificial intelligence, is Beverly sort of on the right tracks there? Yeah, I think so. I think Beverly's got the handle of it, really. Uh, algorithms are just computerized tools. They're ways of writing instructions into computers. And they're very, I think that's a better definition than the term artificial intelligence because A, there's nothing artificial about it, it's real and it's happening, and B, it's not really intelligence, it's about learning. Uh, I use the term machine learning rather than artificial intelligence, but it is effectively training computers under human control to look for patterns in data and information in way that ways that can help us. Mm, that's, it's really interesting because it, to me it's like, everything is very automated these days and and it is the way of the world and it is the future but also it feels a little bit scary that there's not a human mind behind it in the same way as you would usually expect and from a patient point of view there's a lot of trust between you know the the clinical uh, representative and thinking that everything's done by a computer just makes you feel a little bit not nervous, I think, because I know we're all very used to it now, but, you know, you're relying on technology and is it as is it as good as we think it is? And 
what if there's a glitch and you know it's quite important stuff isn't it when you're talking about radiotherapy and uh, I suppose it's fear of the unknown a little bit I mean you're really really confident are you that that's that's something that isn't an issue I, I think that's a really good point Beverly I, I think the thing about radiotherapy as many of our listeners who've actually had some radiotherapy treatments may notice is is it's all about the humans the operators being in control we are actually a process for delivering treatment that's quite unique in hospital you know we're subject to rules that fit more closely to factories that build things in fact in terms of quality and safety and for example example, the power of two, two humans being in charge of a radiotherapy treatment at all times is a very strong principle. I think it's useful to think about artificial intelligence that helps to automate things. You talked about a lot of things being automatic in radiotherapy, and that's where it's really good because automatic means time-saving, and it often means that then the human that's in control is released to focus on the really important things. So there's that type of artificial intelligence. But then there's also artificial intelligence that can help decision making as well. And I think that's where sometimes it gets a bit scary, where you think, okay, well, this computer or this software is helping to actually decide on, do we do this or do we do that? Or do we give this treatment or not today? And again, then I think the key thing is actually where's the control reside. It's very important to kind of understand that. I think one of our benefits in radiation therapy is we're very familiar with taking a new technology, like a, every 10 years we get a new radiotherapy machine, but always having that level of human control. That's really interesting because I was thinking about our discussion today and I was kind of thinking it probably is really useful in kind of the planning stage when, you know, there's the, the plans are done and you it's kind of that, you know, I've used it in my career a bit right first time kind of approach that if it's more accurate and more efficient, you might smooth out some waste in in the system or whatever in terms of non-productive time so I kind of can understand that but I think having been through an experience knowing a little bit about what was going on technologically was really helpful because it's very can be quite a, an intimidating process um, and it's all quite well it's not noisy but it's quite a, a huge machine and it's like you know you you slide in there and it's it's kind of knowing what's going on behind the scenes a little bit without obviously being an expert or understanding what people take years to to train in is just as you you know as we've said before about unlocking some of the myths because and I think that's the thing for me that that's still that involvement with the with the patient and the operators just seems paramount in a way but you have to trust people to get on with it and know that they're making so you're thinking that this will improve patient outcomes because you'll have more time to spend with the patient or get through the workflow quicker and therefore you can see more patients which obviously means then um more people get treated earlier and uh, hopefully they they benefit from that is is that the principles behind this i think that's the principle of the main bits of artificial intelligence we have at the moment artificial intelligence at the moment in terms of what is actually available in the hospital and in clinical use is very simple. And most of the tools that we have that are already in the machines are doing very simple tasks, um, you know, repetitive tasks, and just doing them in a consistent and accurate way, in ways that help us get, get treatment 
delivered more quickly so we can get patients started onto treatment more quickly or actually increase the quality and safety of the treatments whilst it's actually being delivered. But then we have an eye to the future because we collect all of this information and we then, you know, one of our research projects, for example, is we all firmly believe that whilst radiotherapy gets better and better every year, it becomes technically more accurate, but the future in making radiotherapy better might be in combining smart radiotherapy with smart drugs and, and targeting things better. And so I think that the kind of the next artificial intelligence in radiotherapy that will really be a step change. So not just make us faster, better and safer, but fundamentally change how we decide to give different radiation to different patients will be the type of AI that can pull together information about you, information about your tumor and information about the various treatment combinations that we could use and actually put those together and say, actually, for Beverly, this is actually the thing that we that our, our information suggests is the best approach. That's quite scary. And, and I'm scared of that too, of the day when that comes effectively. But again, these things will come in a way where we can understand how these systems were built. We can understand their weaknesses. And we try to make them so that when they try and do these things and gives us a prediction for um, you know, how we should treat a patient, uh, um, that we can see they're working. It's a bit like, do you remember at school when you did maths? The maths teacher gave you just as many marks for showing you're working in the in the column as for getting the right answer. If an AI is going to do this level of very high grade, what we call decision support or integrative medicine more, more correctly, then we're at the point where it is juggling more information than a human brain can manage right so the only way that we will trust it is if it shows us it's working and say okay well this is why i made this decision effectively and that that's what a a big part of my research interest particularly with the mathematics department is designing ai that's actually explainable that's transparent because i think a lot of the ai that we have is very very clever but it's actually very very hard to actually look at what's happening under the hood so really the possibilities are kind of infinite in a way as you say because the capacity of AI sometimes is ahead of what we can compute or hold or whatever so actually it could be a really really as you say a massive step forward in terms of getting some bespoke almost treatment um, you know some tailored opportunities that perhaps aren't available as much now so that sounds like a really really positive step. Yes I think so but that requires a huge amount of information because to train an artificial intelligence machine, it typically requires either 10 or 100 times more information than to train a human colleague to do the same thing. I'm not sure if you knew that. And that means that's information that has to come from patients. And that's why we are so dependent and thankful for patients that engage in research. So. Let me give you a small example. If we try to build an artificial intelligence that learns how to mark out the areas we should target for breast radiation therapy, if I was going to train one of our registrars to do that, I might go through five or 10 different cases, and then they'd probably have a fairly good idea, obviously still need to check. We're trying to build an AI to do that. 
and we're looking at getting together 10,000 cases for it to learn from. And, and the only way that we've been able to do that locally in Cambridge is because we've had patients that in the past have engaged into radiotherapy research studies and said, actually, do you know what? My information can be used to develop these types of technologies in the future. Because if we didn't have that and we had to start from scratch collecting from today information from each patient until we got to the 10,000, it would take us several years before we could even get started. So it's a really good example. Often we talk about these things as being data-driven research. And you could swap out the word data and put patient instead, patient data-driven research. And you know we are utterly, you know, as an AI researcher, I'm utterly dependent on patients actually giving their data for us to build these things. Raj, for those that are currently coming for radiotherapy, what does artificial intelligence and machine learning mean for them in terms of their treatment pathway? Uh, that's a very good point. You may not realise it, but you've probably already had quite a lot of artificial in intelligence and machine learning applied by the time you started your radiotherapy treatment. So, for example, the scan that would have been done in order to diagnose your tumour and then what your planning CT scan, if you remember that very first appointment where you would have come and had something instructed to put you in the right position for radiotherapy, a scan and some tattoos. Mm -hmm. So those machines can generate faster and more precise images because they use machine learning effectively to fill in the gaps as they're scanning. So machine learning, a lot of the applications have been in making better, clearer, faster images for us to actually see what we're doing during radiotherapy, image-guided radiotherapy. The same technology is applied when we do daily imaging to check that you're in the right position during radiotherapy treatment. And the fact that the machine is showing all green lights and ready to go every day before your treatment, the machine itself is also using machine learning to inspect itself and kind of predict actually what are the kind of problems that might be occurring am i delivering them right amount of radiation even to the point of predicting and saying do you know what this particular part of my innards um i need to keep an eye on this because around about when i get about this old this bit is likely to fail so these are all very uh, uh simple but very important examples where we rely on machine learning to make the machines uh, faster, more, more accurate and improve our workflow already. And we're already doing these things. It's amazing, really, because it's kind of quite reassuring um, because um, I used to think, oh, well, what if they, have they got the right um, information in for me? Is it the last patient or the next patient? How do you know it's the right one? And I think it's quite reassuring that, you know, all this data that you're collecting from all the patients previously you're kind of building a brain in some ways a, 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 a sense of uh, all-knowing in terms of this AI and the machine which is it's hard for someone to comprehend when you come in and you 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 know you're very very ignorant of just how it all works it's quite interesting to understand all the checks and balances and all the safety measures and also the the pinpoint accuracy that you're able to get by using and you know not just the human um experience and you know depth and knowledge but what comes with you know these sophisticated machines it, it is quite you know it's fascinating actually and uh, 
can see why you're looking at how it, how you can improve it and how you build that for the future. So are there any research trials or anything that use AI in radiotherapy at the moment? I mean, you've said you're looking at various things and you're particularly interested, but is there a lot going on in this area or is it very, very specialised and, and, you know, doesn't get the funding that some other areas do get? Yeah, that's a good point, Beverly. A lot of the AI focus is on stuff that sort of happens under the hood and may not be immediately apparent to patients. But there are some examples of where AI comes directly into a clinical study. So, for example, I have a clinical study, which is an AI-powered study in radiotherapy. And what we're trying to do is to, is to collect all of the images from patients whilst they're having radiotherapy. And patients also complete a questionnaire basically on a, on their phone or online as they're having radiotherapy and afterwards to understand what's happening to them, what are the side effects and what are the toxicities that they're getting from the radiotherapy treatment. And what we want to do basically is to build an AI that can map the side effects of radiotherapy to the images of the patients having it so that in the future, when a patient comes and starts radiotherapy and says, Actually, for me, for the way that I'm made and for the medicines that I take before I have radiotherapy and the problems that I have, like a bit of diabetes and high blood pressure, what might be the problems that I might experience both during, but particularly after radiotherapy, once the radiotherapy treatment is finished and I've left the department. And to me, that's really important because we now know that Side effects from radiotherapy are much less and, and continue to improve as the technology improves. But for those patients that get side effects, if you can spot it and you know what to look for and intervene early after radiotherapy is finished, then you can do better. And so I think that's a very important thing. And it also empowers patients so that you don't just um, ignore these symptoms and think, well, you know, this is the cost of having radiotherapy. This is the cost of still being around. It's the idea of actually having an AI that says, come on, actually, you know, we knew that we would have to keep a close eye on this for you. And that if we're all mindful of this and we deal with problems earlier, then you can get a better outcome. Uh, so, so that's a very important area where we actually have research studies uh, in radiation therapy. How far off do you think this is? Do you think this is far into the future or is it sort of imminently going to see things being introduced like that, you know, in the next five or 10 years or whatever? Okay, I mean, this is a fascinating area that um, if you look, it takes us too long to develop new drugs, not just for cancer, but for anything. So from a good idea to a new drug that you can prescribe, a doctor can prescribe, takes 12 to 14 years, which is far, far too long. And a lot of the research that we do, in fact, here in Cambridge, uh, is actually trying to use uh, AI to look at, 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 at um, uh, uh, genetic information in order to be able to design drugs more quickly. But if you look at technology, and particularly AI technology, it takes about four or five years from an idea to actually going out into a product that can be used in the radiotherapy department. So these things are actually coming through much, much more quickly. And we will, you know, before before the end of the decade, a lot of the things that we've been talking about as these systems that predict which patients should um, uh, use uh, particular combinations of things, they will be here and with us. We'll be, we'll be going from the phase of training the AI 
uh, in how to do these things to actually testing it? I know um, COVID was a terrible experience for everybody and we've never really experienced it before, but then we did manage to develop vaccines over a much shorter time period than before. And I know vaccines are different to drugs and et cetera, but can we learn anything from that experience that could could kind of accelerate the development and you know get our systems geared up to doing things quicker and I know you must be careful about you know the side effects and the impact and you can only do that over time but is there anything that's kind of changing any protocols or mindsets in terms of how long things do take? Yes, I, I, I think that's been one of the benefits is that it's clear as a result of COVID that the kind of technologies that allow you to build effectively a drug or a vaccine from Lego blocks, um, that has developed hugely. And it is very clear that people now, the technologies that we use, the Lego bricks that we use to put together our COVID vaccines, people are starting to look at those in terms of vaccinating against other 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 diseases too, not not just infections, but trying to do this for other other diseases. Um, and I think this to me is where the kind of artificial intelligence gets really, really clever because we use computers to help us and, and artificial intelligence algorithms to help us to do this. So an example here in Cambridge is the amazing work Greg Hannon does, where he's using a technology called CRISPR or gene editing technology to basically change the DNA of tumors in little bits. And in that way, he can make one tumor or one version of a tumor, let's say a breast cancer tumor, he can make it look like the breast cancer tumors from a thousand different patients. And then he can screen that against lots and lots of different drugs, which are combined with radiation, so that he can then look for drugs that across a different, not just one breast cancer, uh, a particular tumor, but say over a thousand breast cancer tumors, um, might find those particular drugs that work particularly well in combination with radiation to target those things. So it is, as we started talking about this acceleration, being able to do things more quickly that I think is really exciting uh, about these types of technologies. If you had a magic wand, and there was one thing you could change to, uh, you know, if you had a magic wand, and I know we don't, and we don't live in a perfect world, but if there was one thing that you think would help you know, uh, release all this potential, what would you be looking for to improve the patient outcomes or the, uh, you know, the use of something like AI in, in treatment? Is there something that you say is like the holy grail that would unlock, unlock things? Or is it just still incrementally looking at what the future might hold and how this can be applied? I think ultimately what I would like is to have some kind of setup so that AI did not need tens or a hundred times more data than humans need to learn from. Um, now, we could solve that in one of two ways. We could either solve it at a sort of societal level so that we very, very carefully think about ways in which data that has already been given by patients could be used more freely to develop AI. So I'm not an advocate of building large data collections for no specific reason, and that you collect information about the population at large 
thinking that you might be able to develop AI on it. But the idea that, for example, every patient that's been in a clinical trial should have the, we should have the ability to talk to that patient and say, could we use your information to develop an AI, where at the moment we have to seek separate approval. The other way to solve this is actually with smarter maths and smarter computing. And I think this is what's really interesting. And I think where we get to the point where you can train an AI with about the same amount of information that it would take a, a human to learn from, then I think then we will be really interesting because then we have the ability. So in our radiotherapy department, all of us, you know, Rachel included, we're all involved in teaching and training people that basically come up and they start off as our students and then end up as our peers. So we're doing that all the time and we do that, you know, in the hospital time. If it was just as easy to train the AI as it was to train a junior colleague, then I think we could do much more effective AI training. So that would be, I suppose, if I had one wish, uh, and I guess I'd be looking at the people who do the maths behind AI, or I'd be looking at the people that build things like quantum computers uh, and saying, please, please help us to to um, have AI that can learn as well as, uh, uh, you know, with as little information as humans can. One excellent question, Beverly. That was a really brilliant question to ask. It's like man and machine working together to make a massive difference. And that is just incredible you know you think about smart tvs and all that kind of stuff but this is about real lives isn't it and you know the importance of it is it's quite phenomenal really and you know the fact that you can harness that uh and look to the future um to to make things happen in a way that should give the best possible outcome i think is just an incredible you know and i think everybody who's touched this certainly myself I'm always incredibly in awe of the work that is done in this respect because it's just, you know, across the spectrum, it's just, if you've not been involved in it and you've not had it as a feature of your life before, you're just completely unaware of just all this hard work that's going on. And it's just, you know, it's quite mind blowing really, but I think people are so, so incredibly grateful that it does happen. Yeah. I think I think a good way to think about the way these things happen, certainly in the in the context of a, a hospital, is um, in a hospital, uh, excellence and good care comes in teams. It's about teams of people working together, where each person has their skills and expertise. Each person knows what they're doing, and that team comes together to deliver the best possible treatment. And I think that. The way to think about a really good AI and what we want is to think of the AI as being another highly skilled member of that team, which is particularly good at doing its role, but that its role fits into that of a team where the other parts are human. Just a really simple example. If you think about you've got a problem that you're trying to solve and it's got several different factors like going on holiday, you know, when can I go? How much have I got? What do I want to see? Um, uh, all, all, all of these things sort of come together to f- come up with the, the best solution for a problem. And it is said that the human being can manage a problem that's got maybe five or six different factors, five or six different parameters to it. And then a problem 
that's bigger than that becomes really difficult for a human to kind of keep an eye on all of those different things going together. Yeah. We, we use AI that manages at the moment 26 million parameters. The AI that, that, um, that I trained, which will automatically mark out tissues on a radiotherapy planning scan, can look at 26 million things at once. But it's all about putting that into the team and understanding and trusting what the AI can do and understanding, you know, who ultimately has control of it um, and how how does its result, how does its answer uh, get used by the team? That's, that's to me, the absolute most important thing. You're adding kind of super capacity to the team, but at the same time, you've got that human mind just taking that overview to make sure that it does all make sense and it is logical and it does really work in the right setting so I think it's just kind of a case of utilizing all that machine uh, thinking to help inform the decisions that the clinical decisions that need to be made and that will always stay with the clinician absolutely yes yeah that's amazing absolutely amazing I think that's that's brilliant. Thank you so much for all answering all of these questions, Beverly. They were brilliant questions for Raj, and I think we've really got a fantastic idea of what machine learning and artificial intelligence can really mean for radiotherapy treatment. So thank you both so much uh, for joining me today. It's a pleasure. I'm going to go and read all about it now and learn a bit more. It's just so interesting. <laughs> Fabulous. Thank yeah. you. Um, and I will leave us there. Thank you much, very much for joining us. Yeah, and thank Great. you. For Thanks so much. Thanks for all the work you do, both of you. It's amazing.